How about we dive into the Word? Does anybody want to leave here the same, or would you prefer to leave here changed? How many want to leave changed? Okay, so we're going to do that. So Pastor Marion, last weekend, he said, opening statement, he said, our throne is our mind, and through it, all natural and eternal decisions are made. And what was the question he kept asking us? Who's on your throne? Who's on your throne? He went on and he said, if we receive God's free gift of salvation by believing in and accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, by grace, through faith, we secure, everybody say secure, Secure. we secure our eternity and gain access, everybody say access, Access. we gain access to receive his inheritance as our own. Let's read a couple verses on that, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love. Could we all just repeat that phrase? Because of his great love. Didn't you love how the worship set this morning had a very great emphasis on the love of God, the power of the love of God, with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, now, don't just read the Bible, you gotta read the Bible, that in the ages to come, he's talking about today. You are in the ages to come. Like right, everybody say today. So that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards who? Towards us towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So on this Valentine's Day weekend, the month of love, we're going to focus on what God did because of his great love towards us. What did his love accomplish in our lives? And we just read it there, right? Accomplished salvation, but there's another piece of that. It accomplished guaranteeing, securing for us an inheritance. How many of you would like to receive that inheritance? Yeah, I thought so. Some of you are asleep. Talking about God giving gifts to you. I think you want in on this, all right? Um. Now, it begs a question, though, right? Because salvation, we, we can get that. We're good there. But from your observation and your personal experience even, do you observe that the majority of Christians today are living in their full inheritance as a son or daughter of God? Do you observe that, yes or no? No. Now, Is the Bible clear, what we just read, that he desires to show, to demonstrate, to manifest in our lives his inheritance? Is that what the Bible just said, yes or no? All right. Do you, in fact, in this room, do you desire to receive that inheritance, yes or no? So why aren't we? Like we desire that. God literally, we just read, he promises us that. So why isn't it happening? Does anybody else feel the tension of that? I mean, have, have we been misled? 
some well-meaning preachers told us, interpreted Scripture and said, no, 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 God has goodness and blessing and abundance. Is it, are we naive? I mean, were we naive to really think life can be better than it has been? Were we naive to think in this fallen world, this sinful world, I mean, some evil, bad stuff happens in this world. Is it naive of us to think that we can live in joy and abundance and peace and prosperity? I know what it is. God overpromised and he's underdelivering. I'm merely stating the things that we think in our head, but we don't actually say out loud because we don't want to sound blasphemous in church. But if he promised it, we should be experiencing it. All of those things, they're, they're lies and they're, there's zero truth in those things of being misled or being naive or God overpromising. Is God able, yes or no? He's able. And yet we still aren't experiencing that. And here's what I would say to you. Transformation is not only possible, it is beyond a shadow of a doubt God's intention for your life and my life. He does not desire for you to continue in your life the same way you've been doing it. Certainly not after you get saved. You're not supposed to struggle with those same sins. You're not supposed to talk the same way. You're not supposed to struggle with that selfishness in your relationships. We are supposed to be transformed. Everybody say, I want to be transformed. And I believe you. But there is a gap between God's intention for our lives and our experience as Christ followers. Fair enough? There's a gap between what he promised and what we're actually experiencing. Now, how many married men in the room? Just give me a That was a little weak, fellas. Give me a little, ah! Uh, uh, that, was, that was a little better. And then their wife looked at him and said, calm down. Now, guys, have you been in an argument with your wife, a discussion? And you're having this discussion. Maybe it's happening in real time. And you're creating your position in your mind about why she's wrong and how she needs to fix herself. Or maybe you're a brave soul and you actually verbalize this. And you don't have to be married. This could be in any relationship with a woman because what happens is you're in this discussion and you're processing this in your mind and then all of a sudden you realize, she's right again. She's always right. <laughs> this is just a great depiction of what we have in this scenario. Do you think God's wrong or, or is there something maybe we're missing? Like, in marriages, this isn't always the case that she's always right. I mean, sort of, maybe not. But in this gap between his intention and our experience, do you think there's an error in God's ways or perhaps an error in our ways? Do you think we might need to open up our eyes a little bit, shift our thinking a little bit, and begin to believe in a God who can do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or imagine. How many would like to make a shift today? So let me tell you what's not going to transform your life. It's going to get a little dicey here for a moment. 
Let me tell you what is not going to transform your life so that you experience the dramatic, beautiful, abundant, transformed life that God desires for you. God is not going to fix our lives. God is not going to drop blessing out of heaven on you just because you ask. God is not going to bless you out of your mess. Some of you are like, but yeah, he does. Hear me out. He's not going to do all that if you and I keep doing what we've been doing. Because as he blesses you out of your mess and you didn't get any better, where are you going to end up back in? In your what? In your mess. And if he blesses you, showers down miracles out of heaven just because you prayed a prayer, and if he throws you down a miracle out of heaven in your mess, what's going to happen? Are you going to need another miracle, or are you going to be able to sustain the miracle-working power of God? See, God does not desire to keep dropping stuff out of heaven into a life that is unable to sustain the power of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God. The Bible does not teach us to treat God like a genie in the lamp. God, I need a new car. God. How many like the new version of the Aladdin? I mean, come on, it was good. Like, I have to sing the soundtrack with my kids, like often. God, I need, I, need, I need her, that her, like her, God. God, I need that new promotion, right? God is not a genie in the lamp, ready and waiting at your command to do just what you want him to do. If you're not going to change... God is going to require some things of you. And so here's my point today. He's not going to do all that unless you do your part. Look at somebody say, do your part. See, God has a part and we have a part, but he expects and requires of us to do our part. Now, let's, let's be very clear that salvation is a free gift. Let's read a verse on that. So Everybody doesn't think I'm saying you've got to earn your way into heaven. Romans 8, or excuse me, verse, chapter 10, verse 8. What, but what does it say? That the word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Is salvation a free gift, yes or no? God will save you. Notice, you still got to do your part. You have to believe and confess it. God can't save you without your cooperation. God cannot save you without your participation. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for the penalty of your sins. Because of his great love, he calls you sons and daughters. But he cannot force relationship upon you. You have to believe that and you have to receive him as Lord and Savior. Salvation is a free gift, but you have to choose it. Now, let me also be clear. Will God do some miracles and bless you in the midst of your mess because you got faith? And does he sometimes do some, has anybody gotten a miracle where you're like, you pray this prayer, God, 
I know this is my fault. Like, the, the, I know it's my fault, God, but if you could help a brother or sister out here, I would really appreciate it, and, and I'll give more, I'll serve more, I'll love my spouse more, I'll be good to people, I'll, I'll give money to the homeless, please, God. Did anybody pray that prayer? Yeah. Is that just me? Okay. <laughs> I got people waving both hands in the background. So will God do some rescue miracles just because he's good, because he's God, and because he can? Will he do it? Yes or no? And are there some miracles that we cannot create and manufacture? Like what happened right here this morning, you saw miracles that supernaturally, divinely, God has to move because doctors can't do it. He can, he will, he is able. But what we're talking about today is Salvation is a free gift. God does miracles. But for some of the miracles you believe in for in your life, you've got to do your part. He's not going to drop it out of heaven for you. There is a part that you play. There is participation on your behalf that must take place. Because it's not just God's desire to save you. It's God's desire to give you an abundant, beautiful amazing life. If your only plan for the abundant, beautiful, amazing life is to keep praying prayers and never change, never grow, never become better, you're not going to experience the beauty of what God has for you. Such a warm, fuzzy message, isn't it? Woo! This is fun. Let's talk about this because we talked about a ton. You heard it in the video at the Vitality event. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to do some work. And so Vitality, let me give you a couple definitions. The state of being strong and active, energy. The power of giving continuance of life present in all living things. Webster says, it's the peculiarity distinguishing the living from the non-living. Now, I, I respect any church that is lifting up the name of Jesus and drawing people to him. But how many have been in some churches where it's kind of hard to distinguish the living from the non-living? Bless their hearts. But God says we're supposed to live in vitality. We're supposed to walk in that vital life. I love this other two definitions. The capacity to live and, everybody say and, develop. Ooh, like, come on. Like, God did not create you to be stagnant. If you're not living or if you're not growing, you're If you're not growing, you're This is life. This is the universe. This is how God created it to function. He created you for growth. He created you to be the best version of yourself, not to be mediocre, not to settle. It's time to stop waiting for a miracle. It's time to stop sitting back on our heels and start working. Start becoming the miracle. Because he's put something on the inside of you that enables that. Now, if you want Bible on vitality, no better verse than John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's vitality. The Passion Translation, I love this. Same verse. A thief is only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. By the way, just a quick little caveat. We have an enemy, and he's real. The devil is not storybooks and red horns on people's heads and sitting on somebody's shoulder. 
The devil is real, and he's out to take you out, to steal, slaughter, and destroy you, to eradicate your legacy off the face of the planet, to take your kids out, to take your marriage out. And really, he's not after the stuff. You know what he's after? He's after your faith. Because if he can take some stuff away and that shakes your faith, then you're in trouble. So we have an enemy, and he's real, but the other side of that verse, Jesus is the answer. Everybody say, Jesus is the answer. But I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So that's vitality, life in its fullness until you overflow, life in abundance, more than you expect kind of life. Reminds me of another verse in, was it John, 3 John, verse 2? God says, I desire that you prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. So the good news of the gospel is that God sent his son Jesus to save us. Is that good news? That's, that's the best news ever. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can't forfeit it because of the stupid, stupid, stupid decisions you make and the people you hurt. You can't make God stop loving you. Only if you say no, but he's going to chase you down. He's going to pursue you. He's going to love you hard and relentlessly. That is the good news of the gospel. His great love for you. But the other good news, see, that's the good news, but it's not all of the good news. The other good news is that he created you for life and life more abundantly. Life to the full. Life overflowing. And that, that I'm not just... Some of you thought I was talking about money. No, I'm talking about your relationships and your spiritual vitality, your physical vitality. It includes your money. But if you don't, if you don't have joy in the Lord, it don't matter how much money you have. Abundance and vitality, life to the full. How many want that in your life? If so, say yes! So if we're going to get that, we're going to be transformed. The gospel fully experienced will redefine who you are and how you function. The, listen, if you're getting all of the gospel, you ain't going to be the same person. You can't be. If you're the same person, you didn't get it all or you didn't activate it all in your life because the gospel fully experienced will redefine who you are and how you function. And it has nothing to do with how good you are or what you deserve, because we all deserve death, hell, and the grave, right? Our sin separated us from God, but his great love brought us back into relationship. So let me dive down here. I'm gonna give you three points super quick, apparently. I'm gonna give you some good stuff. And I'm gonna start, I'm gonna jump off from a couple verses probably unfamiliar to most of you, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, I, I look back in my journal, starting back December 6th, I started with this, those two verses, most days, not every day, but most days, writing them in my journal. I pick a different translation, I write the same translation, like I just keep writing it in my journal. And wouldn't you know it, God hasn't run out of things to speak to me from those two verses. There's fresh revelation, new th things I didn't even see in the beginning, and things just going deeper. And so, would you be willing to look a little deeper? Yes. 
Is anybody, is anybody like, nah, I'm out because I already heard, I got everything God can give me from those verses? Please don't raise your hand. Nobody wants to sit next to that person. Number one, everybody say number one. Expand my capacity. You, you want to do your part? What, what does it mean to do your part? I mean, I could talk for weeks about what your part is versus God's part, but I'm going to give you three things you can do to do your part to experience this kind of transformation. Everybody, put your notepads down, put your hands like this right in front of you and say, expand my capacity. Expand. Don't, don't hit the person next to you. I mean, pay attention. Let's try that again, a little more energy, okay? But don't hit anybody, at least not too hard. On the count of one, two, three, expand my capacity. Like this right here, like just physically how different this feels from this. Like physically, you can feel that. And too many believers are living right here. And they're asking God to open up the windows of heaven, but this is their capacity. This is all the space they've got, all the room they've got. They're living mediocre Christian lives and trying to stay the same and expecting God to bless it. And you've got to expand your capacity because when you are wide open... Like God can pour into you when you're in this position in ways he can't when you're here. Now, I'm going to read a few things. Like every point I'm going to share with you is like literally straight from something God spoke to me as I was writing in my journal and convicted me. So I've had to figure out some things that I've had to do my part. I just thought I'd pay it forward to you a little bit and let you get this. So here's something I wrote in my journal. And this was right after the vitality event. So after last weekend, I was writing in my journal, and some of you haven't been to a Vitality event, but I actually put out a little bit of energy on the Vitality event. Um, vita thank you. Come on now. The Vitality event. There we go. Um, so I put out, and like on the stage for a whole lot of hours and just the energy of it, and literally when I got done with this event, I walked over here, and I leaned on a chair, and I was like physically shaking on the inside. I like not, but like I, like my insides were like, I couldn't even describe it. And I walked behind that curtain and I laid down on the floor for a few minutes. So, and, and I'm not trying to get sympathy here. I wouldn't have it any other way because I'm freaking made for this. Like I was made for this. But here's what God spoke to me. Uh, and I wrote it down. Now in that verse, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where? Yeah. In us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, where's the power at? Where's the power at? And I read that that day, and this is what I wrote in my journal. I said, I must expand my physical capacity to be a carrier of his power. He will give me all I need for my destiny, but he can't give me more than this vessel can handle. Expanding my physical capacity is a must. And there's a great verse in 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, and I won't read it all, but it says, as his divine power has given us, given to us all things. Everybody say all things. All things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. Glory and virtue, that's power, okay? This is important though, verse four, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Put that one, is that up there? Partakers, look at that phrase. Partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What does that mean? Partakers of the divine nature. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's pretty all-encompassing, right? All things. Everything you need, he's already given you. And then he goes on to describe how that's taken place because he says, you are partakers in the divine nature. Now, I'm going to touch on something just real quick here. Pastor touched on it last week, um, and there was some teaching out of uh, Psalms, and he talked about this little phrase of little gods, the Elohim, not the God, but the little God, right? And some of you are still freaked out about that. I get it. When I first heard that taught and somebody saw little gods, like you're, you're, you're supposed to be gods, I was like, whoa. Come on, let's be real. Can we be real? How many were there? You were like, whoa, I heard about these churches. I'm not supposed to be in one. I'm out. Listen, let's shift it to New Testament. I'm going to try and help some people out here. What did that verse just say? Put that back up there. The partakers of the, of the what nature? Who's going to be partakers of that? Who is? Partakers of what? The divine what? The divine nature. When you and I were created, we were created in the image of God. So, and if he's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness, if this is easy for you, please grab hold of this because that's what we're teaching. You're not God. Look at somebody and say, you're good. Tell them, you ain't God. You ain't God. But God has put the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside of you. He's put the divine nature on the inside of Parker Dalton. There are things Parker Dalton can do that people that don't have the spirit of God can't do. Why? Because there's something on the inside of him that they don't have. So if there's something he needs to overcome, he has the power that raised Jesus from the dead to overcome it. If there's somebody in his student ministry, Parker's our youth pastor. He's amazing. What time is the Redefine tonight? 5.30 every Sunday night. Our Redefine student ministry, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing. Kids are getting transformed, learning how to worship, learning how to apply this stuff in their lives. Your kids should be there. But if a student walks in tonight and they're having suicidal thoughts, does Parker have to deal with that on his own, yes or no? No, because there's something on the inside of him. Sorry about that. Kind of spit profusely there. You are partaker, are a partaker of the divine nature of God. Now, for me, I realized that I was a partaker of the divine nature of God. But when I journaled that, God said, you got to expand your capacity. He said, I'll give you everything you need for your destiny, but I can only give you, in my case, what it was, was my physical capacity. I was shaken. I had to lay down on the floor. And I was like, if I'm made for this and God has destiny in my life to teach and do these things, I've got to expand my capacity. What is it for you? Maybe you want to go further in your career and you feel like that's part of God's destiny for you, but you have not expanded your capacity. You need some new training. Maybe you need some schooling. Maybe you need some professional coaching because God wants to expand you. 
but you haven't expanded your capacity. He, has anybody got a promotion that you did not deserve? Because God does that kind of stuff, doesn't he? It's good, and he does it. But listen, if divine intervention is your only plan for making progress in your life, you are not doing your part. I'm going to say that again because somebody needed it. If divine intervention is your only plan for making progress in your life, you're probably not doing your part because there's God's part and there's your part, my part. So how do you need to expand your capacity? Some of you want him to open up the windows of heaven and pour down blessing, but you have never done a budget in your whole life. And God's like, I'd give it to you, but it goes out so fast. And you might need to expand your capacity by learning how to budget. It's not a curse word. Some of you are praying, Jesus, my 2.0, I'm going to be fit and trim. I'm going to look good. But you don't even know what a gym membership is. You got to expand your capacity. When we do our part, does God have a habit, a practice of accelerating supernaturally, adding his super to our natural? Does he do that consistently, yes or no? Yes. Get moving. Do some work. Expand your capacity. Stop waiting on God to do the miracle because he's already put a miracle on the inside of you. So for me, that very specifically, hey, can you hand me those boxes? That very specifically means I have to stop making excuses and I have to stop eating Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> so currently, right now in this moment, I'm gonna expand my capacity. How, who here is not concerned about their weight and getting healthy because I'm gonna give some cookies away? No, Paul, you're not getting them. Hey, Brian, <laughs> these are my favorites. Those are my favorites. All right. Get behind me, Satan, yes. Do <laughs> you see what I did right there? I did my part, people. There might still be a couple peanut butter patty ones at the house, but um, they were already opened. I couldn't throw them out to the crowd. <laughs> Keeping it real up in here. Look at somebody say, do your part. You've got to expand your capacity. And so right now, right now, grab a pen and paper, grab a phone, create a note. What is it you need to expand your capacity? Please do not spectate. Right now in this moment, this is important. How do you need to expand your capacity? Is it learning? Is it a relationship? Is it something physically? Is it spiritually? Maybe you need to expand your capacity by going to bed earlier and waking up earlier so you can spend time with Jesus uninterrupted and hear his voice more clearly. Some of us are praying, God, speak, but we're not creating space because our capacity is only like this. We're expecting him to speak at lunchtime when we pray over our food. And if you wake up 30 minutes early, woo, God's like, oh, I can feel that space. What do you need to do? Just identify one thing, one specific thing you need to do to expand your capacity. Okay, you're going to get a quick and messy of the last two. Is that all right? Number two, ask bigger Imagine more. Out of the Passion Translation, Ephesians 3.20, never doubt. Everybody say never doubt. God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Here's what I wrote in my journal. I said, God's able. Are we asking? He can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
He has the power, but only two things limit its expression. Will we ask or imagine him to release it? And number two, since it's in us, we have to be willing to do our part. So will you ask and imagine? So I wrote that in my journal, and then after that, I started doing it. I was like, all right, God, I'm going to dream big. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quantum leap this thing. I'm going to like 10X and 100X this thing. And I started writing and journaling, and I was like, whoa, this is big. Whoa, whoa, I never thought of that. Oh, whoa, wow, wow. I'm not going to read to because you all might think I'm crazy because I went big. And then this is what I wrote after that. I wrote, and still, everybody say, and still. And still, that is easy and small potatoes compared to what God can do. Just the exercise of acknowledging this is tremendous. Anything I can imagine is smaller than what God is capable of doing by his power at work in me. I have unlimited potential because the power of an unlimited God is in me. There's nothing I can't do. So where have you been thinking too small? Have your prayers been more about survival, about just enough, about getting by? Because that verse said, he will do more than your greatest request. Some of you had some mediocre requests, some same old, same old requests, some please Jesus, just help me get by requests. But we're talking about your greatest request. What's your greatest request look like? Does anybody have a dream that you've had for a long time and it hasn't happened yet and so you've put it on the back burner? You've put it on a shelf and forgotten it. Yeah, people raising their hands. What if today God says, I want you to ask bigger and imagine more? Some of you, you use your imagination to decorate your house or to plan a vacation, but you've never used your imagination to plan your life, to step into your destiny. I mean, if the only thing you're using your imagination for is to pick a paint color for a wall, do you think you're doing your part? No, but God gave you a beautiful, sanctified imagination so that you could expand, so that he, you could ask and imagine bigger things. So that he could, now, did he just give you that imagination so you can ask and imagine it and never do anything? Or does he, is he waiting on you to ask and imagine something bigger than you've ever fathomed before so that then he can enable you and empower you to step into that. So right now, grab your pen and paper or your notes. What is one thing, one area where you need to ask bigger or imagine more? Maybe it's pulling that dream out. Maybe it's um, in a relationship. You, you've, you've gotten okay with the status quo. Maybe it's in your singleness and you did have a dream of finding that special someone, but you haven't. And so you just kind of, well, I guess this. no, 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 stop it. What is that area? Maybe it's your physical health. You dreamed of being healthy and vital, but you gave up on that. Maybe it's your business. Jared Nelson, you need to imagine bigger. Like we've had the conversations. I know it's big. It's not big enough. Small potatoes. What is it for you? Just name it. Write it down. Don't, not, not the whole book, not the whole paragraph. All right, number three. Number three, are you ready? Yeah. Tap into the power. Everybody say, take it back. That last part of that verse in the Passion Translation, it says, he will outdo them all, 
What's he talking about? Your greatest imagination, your most unbelievable dream, your wildest imagination, right? Your greatest request. It says, he will outdo them all for, the, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Put your hands on your chest like this. The miraculous power of God is inside of you. What it, sometimes you don't, we don't acknowledge what's in us just because we forget it's there. Literally, what if, if you could put your hands on your chest, use that imagination that God gave you, and feel the vibration of his constant, miraculous power constantly energizing you? What if you could live in an awareness of that? What's the miracle you need in your life right now? What if the miraculous power of God is in you to create that? What if you could live in an awareness that his miraculous power is on the inside of you? So it's not a matter of does he have the power, it's a matter of will we tap into that power. Now, we, we quote around here all the time, Malachi 3, that if you bring your whole tithe in the storehouse, what's going to happen? He's going to open up the windows of heaven, and what's he going to do? He's going to pour down so much blessing that there's not room enough to contain it. Now, did that prom- was that promise given before or after Jesus? Before. Was that given before or after the Holy Spirit was poured out in believers? Before. Now, it's still a good promise, even though it's in the Old Testament, because, by the way, Jesus himself said we should tithe, so you don't get out of it. It, it. The tithe existed before the law did. So it's still a good promise. God will open up the windows of heaven. If you walk in obedience in that, he will. But here's what I want us to get. The miracle-working power of heaven is already in you. His miraculous power constantly energizes you. We're all here looking up to heaven saying, God, pour it out. And God's looking down and saying, I already put it inside of you. Everything you need is already, heaven is in you. Light is in you. Power is in you. You don't need to pray it down from heaven. You need to tap into what's already inside of you. And some of you are walking around in ordinary, mediocre Christian lives, and God's just waiting for you to tap in. You're asking for answers to prayer, and you already are the answer to prayer. You're asking, you're acting as if you are powerless to affect change in your life, and God's saying, I put the power to raise Jesus from the dead inside of you. You've got what you need. You are the miracle. So right now I want you to write down, where's the area in your life that you've been acting powerless when you already have the power? Now again, there's certain miracles like what we prayed for for River this morning that's already done. Everybody say it's done. Yeah. Just keep releasing that faith. When you go home today and you pray over your lunch, pray over your food and say, thank you, the river sealed. It's done. Now there's some miracles that his part is a lot bigger than our part, right? Mama Facebook messaged me this morning and said, can we pray over her? She was, we were up all night, but I, God said I needed to be there. She did her part. She showed up and then God, God did his part. But the majority of miracles in your life are going to be less about divine intervention and more about you participating and doing your part. Let me say that again. The majority of miracles that happen in your life are going to be less about divine intervention 
Woo! God does it. We had nothing to do with it. And you search the Bible, guys. You will find it in the Bible. The majority of miracles, they did their part. They participated. They were part of the miracle. So what is it in your life that you've been waiting on God to do it? And he's looking back at you right now in this moment saying, it's in you. Maybe there's, maybe it's your career. And, and maybe he's saying, you know what? You just need to release your faith. Maybe you need to do some of that expanding your capacity, right? Like I gave you that brain. He's saying, hey, go ahead and use it. I love you. Maybe it's a relationship thing and you're waiting for God to drop um, perfect Mr. Right, Mrs. Right out of heaven. And he was like, you know, there's some ways you can put yourself out there and make it a little easier on me. Maybe you're waiting for him to heal your marriage, but you haven't developed the skill of being able to say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Ooh, now I'm meddling, aren't I? Maybe you want that special someone, but you haven't had the courage to heal your hurts from the past. And God's saying, hey, I want you to be whole before I can bring somebody else into your life. Maybe you want to be used by God in mighty ways. And God's put some opportunities in front of you to do things that are below what you think you're called to. If you want to do outreach and you're a guy, you better be showing up for the men's connect group because they're hitting the streets and going out. You an evangelist? All right, let's see it. Right? You, you want to minister to women? Get in a connect group that you're not leading and minister to women. You want to be used mightily of God in this house? Become part of what God's doing in the house and stop waiting to be put on a pedestal before you feel like you're part. It's not in my notes, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Holy Spirit will give you what you need to hear, even if it's a little bit of tough love. So I don't even have time to go through all that. What is your part? Is it a conversation you need to have? Is it an opportunity you need to step into? Is it a step of faith you haven't taken? Is there an act of obedience you've delayed? Is there some help? Oh, here's a good one. Is there some help you need to ask for? I'm believing for a miracle. What are you talking about asking for help? Sometimes God's got a miracle in somebody else, but you're not willing to ask for it because you think you've got to have it all together all the time. Ask for support. Go to marriage counseling. Apparently some marriages needed some emphasis this morning. Deal with your stuff. Ask for help in your career. You keep not getting that promotion, ask for help. What do you need to do to release that miracle? Is there a lie you need to eradicate from your life? Is there a habit you need to initiate in your life? Some of you want God to, to move, but you're not willing to do anything new. If you're not growing, you're... If you're not growing, you're... So... How many are willing to do your part? How many believe today that you've been stirred up and you've recognized some things that, oh, I was waiting for God to do what actually he's expecting me to do? Has anybody had that aha? Yes. See, right now, miracles are being released in this place, not because we prayed and God did what only he can do. That was awesome. That was great. And God demonstrated that for us this morning. But miracles are going to take place right now in this moment because you make a decision to participate in it. Because you are going to come to grips and say, I need to expand my capacity. Because you're going to come to grips and say, you know what? I haven't been asking and imagining. I've been, I've been praying small prayers. I've been praying comfortable prayers. I haven't prayed that big dream because I'm scared of how that will affect me or how other people will see me. 
So you, you need to start asking and dreaming bigger. Romans 12, 2, memorize that verse, meditate on that verse to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And some of you, there's clear, concrete ways you're gonna release your miracle if you just tap into what's already inside of you. Look at somebody and say, do your part. So let me, if you are participating fully, you've got some work to do. I've given your work for the week. For most of you, it's gonna be longer than a week, but create a plan that lines up with that. Shoot someone a text right now that you know you need to shoot them a text to schedule that meeting or have that conversation. Don't just walk out of here and be the same person you were when you walked in. It's time for you to do your part because God wants to release miracles into you. But he's been hindered, not because of his ability to do it, but because of your ability to receive it, your ability to see it. And so today all that can change. It can change by a decision from you.